Today, I'll be talking with Ray from Columbus, Ohio. Welcome to the podcast, Ray. Let's thanks talk. For, thanks for having me. Oh, great to have you. It's uh, I'm looking forward to it. So when the virus first hit last year, um, you know, when all this first started, what, what was your initial reaction um, to what was going on? My initial reaction, I remember seeing kind of the news reports and the information coming out, you know, fall, kind of, I think it would have been what, fall of 2019 with everything going on in in China. And it just kind of seemed like another, kind of like a SARS bird flu, you know, every few years there always seemed to be a new virus or disease that was kind of making its way around at least, you know, over in Asia. So I remember initially not giving it too, too much thought. And then as it kept kind of being reported, uh, definitely started paying more and more attention. And then I remember kind of once I started actually following it, that I remember saying to myself, like, oh, eventually it's going to make its way over here. And still at that point, they didn't really know how serious it was. I didn't feel like the reporting was kind of accurately depicting how you know deadly it could be or symptoms and some of that's because they didn't know um at the time too yeah no for sure it was uh, very similar for me um you know when it first started we had you know heard about you know what was going on in wuhan but you know like like most other people at first it was probably okay that's probably contained over there so we didn't give it a whole lot of thought and then when it you know hit italy that okay well it's a little you know it's starting to spread a little more serious but when it hit new york and and uh i think it was like seattle on on the, the west coast too for you guys um that's when for us it was like okay this is real like we're right next door to you um so you know we know that something's happening here but but the, you know like you said too we didn't we didn't think it was as as serious at first either we thought you know and everything that we had heard was you know if you were 70 or older that's you know you were the ones that were you know going to be in trouble with this but if you were under 70 you know relatively healthy you were you know you'd get the flu it would be a bad flu possibly but it would just you know you'd be fine and we never expected that it was going to turn out to be what it was so yeah it was pretty much the same reaction for me as as what you uh, just said yeah i think a lot of people kind of had that initially and and i remember too you know looking back on it um kind of once you started really paying attention and then it came is probably January, early February. And then like my employer, um, the company I work for my day job, they were pretty, they didn't really say too much, but luckily I had a, a boss and my boss's boss were both really on top of it. And they were really early to having us switch to working remote to the point where we were probably, at least two or three weeks ahead of, you know, before like the announcement in, I think it was like mid-March when uh, the governor held a press conference here in, o- in Ohio and was like, it's here and, you know, we need everybody to work for remotely and shutting everything down and all that stuff. So, you know, I was kind of fortunate in that regard. I mean, by that time I was paying attention to it, was super in on it, um, trying to figure out what was going on and, and you could just kind of see the wave, you know, coming just with different stuff. You know, I'm 32, so I've been through kind of, you know, the financial crisis that we had here in the U.S. and some recessions and and all that stuff. And I just remember always seeing, you know, people panic. And um, so we knew kind of we started loading up like the fridge and the freezer and stuff with stuff that we could have for a while. Just, I knew at some point there was going to be like a run on the grocery stores. And sure enough, there was, I I didn't anticipate it being, you know, toilet paper and Lysol wipes necessarily, but um, it just kind of wound up going that way. And so luckily it was a little bit ahead of the curve kind of when it all got started, at least here on my end. No, I mean, and, and that's, that's uh, like, that's really good that you, you know, you, the, uh, uh, your boss, um, sort of jumped on this as quick as, as he did, because a lot of people I'm sure got caught short on all this. And, and, you know, it was, uh, you know, for a lot of people, I think, you know, especially the working from home part was a lot, 
you know, more of a scramble for people just to get that stuff in place. And, you know, they were so late in the game that they could, you know, I'm sure for a lot of them, they couldn't get the hardware they needed, the, you know, the, you know, maybe the internet connections, all those sorts of things. So, you know, good on your boss to, uh, you know, catch this early and, and, you know, make life a little bit easier for you, I'm sure, in that regard. Yeah, there's a lot of companies in the U.S. that were not set up for working remote. Uh, luckily, we kind of were um, just because we already had like a, a work remote kind of policy already in place where people would, you know, a couple days a week would, would work remote and not come into the office. So we were kind of already set up, luckily, to do it. But, you know, I had a friend who was working at a big, big company up in Wisconsin, and they were not prepared for it at all. And once everybody had to work remote, like, it shut down their, their entire web system just because it was overloaded. They had to have start scheduling people for, you know, how long you could be on kind of the the system. Um, so other people could get on and, and do their job and everything. So yeah, it was a lot of companies were definitely not set up, um, at least here, you know, in Ohio and a lot throughout the U S for, for that capability. So ha- have you been working remotely the whole time? Yep. Been uh, working remote for basically since March of 2020. Uh, Pretty much the only time I had to go in the office was when I had a technical problem with my computer uh, that they had to replace it. And I think one other time we went in there um, to do some updating and everybody kind of cleared out their desks. They wound up uh, letting the lease go on the office space. So pretty much, you know, we have two different offices, one in Ohio, one in Virginia. So they let the Ohio one go and we might have, you know, they're considering getting an office space once everything's over, but it it probably won't happen. It probably won't be needed. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure at least the way I, you know, from people I've talked to and, and, and the things I've seen, it it seems to me like a lot of companies are probably going to take advantage of the fact that, you know, they've now proven that they can still get the productivity and, and all that they need from people working, you know, from home. And I think you're going to see a lot of downsizing when it comes to the infrastructure to support employees. And and I think you're going to see, you know, a lot of companies, you know, for a lot of businesses that are just going to have a certain percentage, you know, maybe, you know, 60% will, will work from home, 40 in the office and, and just sort of have, uh, you know, come in when you need you there's no there's no more offices just grab an open desk that sort of thing so i think the whole work world is going to look a lot different than than it did a year ago yeah the you know the one thing i can't figure out is what happens to all those office buildings you know in all these big cities if all these corporations flip to working remote and a lot of them have already committed to at least like through the rest of this year or at least into the fall until the vaccine rollout gets to a point where they're comfortable bringing people back in. But I can't figure out what happens to all that empty office space. Cause it's not easy to turn into apartments um, because of, you know, the plumbing and electrical and everything like that. So, you know, somebody's going to lose a lot of money and it's going to be a big corporation and big corporations don't like losing a lot of money. So I, mm-hmm. I'm worried that eventually there's going to be kind of a push for at least large corporations to push, you know, half of their employee workforce back into the office on either like a every other week schedule or something, just because not all these big corporations are going to be able to get out of their lease at the same time, you know? Well, and, and, and those, you know, large corporations that own the buildings, right? So they're, they're stuck with this and they have to maintain this regardless. So yeah, I, I, I actually had never thought of that, but that's definitely, um, something that's that will come into play down the road as well uh, yeah i never thought of that so how has working from home for a year been for you um you know it's been pretty good um it definitely gives you a little bit more of a work-life balance where you know you if you have to do something you know some sort of errand or something like that you know around the house or whatever you know you can just take the five ten minutes to do it Instead, where if you're in an office, like it's pretty much just you're in work mode. Um, Mm. But, you know, the thing that kind of just kind of stinks about it, too, is, you know, yeah, you're working from home now, but you couldn't go out and do anything because of the pandemic. You know, everybody's on lockdown and all that stuff. So you're still kind of confined to a space. It just happens to be 
your home instead of, you know, your cubicle or your, your office or wherever you're working. Well, and, and I, I mean, I, I know a lot of people, um, like going to work, right? You like to get away from the home, right? You like that eight hours or whatever that you get, uh, you know, away from, you know, having that different aspect of your life and, and, and that social aspect that you get, you know, you know, talking to your coworkers and, and, and all those sorts of things. So those are things that I'm sure some people will, will have a hard time, um, adjusting to not having that. Yeah. I mean, for me, the adjustment wasn't really difficult at all. Uh, I mean, you do at sometimes miss kind of being able to, you know, gather around somebody else's desk and just have, you know, a non-work related conversation with them uh, and just kind of have that like camaraderie and everything that you would have in, in the office setting. So that's definitely a, a little bit of a drawback, but you know, people started doing Zoom meetings and, you know, all this stuff, Zoom get togethers and are still doing it. Um, so you've been able to kind of overcome some of that. For me, the benefit, you know, switching over to permanently working remote, um, you know, I'm an, an avid traveler, at least I was before uh, coronavirus and everything. So, you know, the flexibility of being able to go to a different city, you know, whether you're in an Airbnb or hotel or whatever, and you can you know, still work, um, you know, at least part of the day, but then, you know, you're somewhere else. So you get to go explore in the evenings, you know, stuff that you've never seen, never done restaurants, you never ate at all this stuff. You know, that was probably the biggest, you know, drawback for me with, with all this going, going on was just travel being shut down. And, and that's something, you know, that, that I really like to do. So that was kind of the big disappointment. Yeah, no, I, 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 I get that for sure because, um, I'm retired. I've been retired, uh, right around two years. Um, my wife's retired and that was our big plan, you know, in retirement was travel. We, you know, we, we, uh, moved into an apartment so we could just lock the door and leave and, and not have to worry about, you know, the house or anything. So that was our big goal was to, you know, we had all these plans, places we wanted to go, uh, places we wanted to see. And, you know, I, I got to do a couple of trips and, and, and then, yeah, everything just kind of stopped. And, and to be honest, I, I, I don't know when I'm going to feel safe getting on a plane and going to, you know, some of the places, you know, down, you know, in, in the U S uh, Europe, you know, so I don't know when I'm going to be able to, to start what we wanted to do, but yeah, it's, it's been, uh, and, and lately it's, it's really starting to sort of weigh on me. Like the longer we're in this, the more it seems now it's starting to bother me. Whereas before it was like, yeah, we'll get through this. No, you know, it'll be fine. Whatever. Now it's like, come on, man. I just want to start doing these things before, uh, you know, as a retired guy, the years that I'm going to be able to to do a lot of traveling are limited, right? You only have a certain window before you will get too old to do a lot of these things. So I, I, to me, the clock is ticking. Yeah. And you're, and you're losing, you know, valuable time that you could have been, you know, having great experiences. It's definitely, yeah, it's definitely the biggest kind of thing that affected me, I think is the not being able to travel, not being able to, and we've been able, you know, to do, a couple things, you know, because we're in Columbus, Ohio. So like at one point we, um, just went down to Cincinnati. It's like an hour and a half away from Columbus, but it's a different city. You know, stuff was open at the time. Um, they had, you know, dine-in restrictions and, and safety distance and all that stuff. But, um, we were able to go down there for, you know, like a week, uh, and kind of have a, at least a little mini trip, even if it was within our own state, um, and just kind of experience a different city and, and stay there. Uh, we were able to, you know, get down to Nashville. It's like a five, six hour drive. Um, and that was before Nashville kind of went back down on lockdown in the fall. So we were lucky with the timing and everything, but otherwise, yeah, it's just been kind of confined to your city that you're in. And with it being, you know, all the weather stuff going on now with, you know, cold temperatures and snow, it's really, really difficult to just kind of just stay, I don't know if stay focused or, or just 
it's really hard to not get at least a little down or a little depressed just because you don't know when stuff's going to change. And it's, you know, every day kind of feels exactly the same, whether you're working or not. And it, um, it all kind of blends together. And, and I'm not somebody who really enjoys the, the cold or the snow. I don't do any snowboarding or skiing or anything. So being in, you know, kind of a snow belt where even though Columbus gets less snow than, you know, Cleveland, so we don't have the lake or anything like that. Um, just the temperatures and, and the snow and all that stuff. It just really makes me want to just move to a, a different city, you know, somewhere in the South or something like that, where you have, you know, even if it gets cold, you know, your coldest temperatures, like 45, 50 degrees in the middle of winter or something like that, you know, Phoenix or, or whatever. Oh, for sure. I mean, like I'm in, in Winnipeg, Canada, like central Canada in, you know, and it's cold. We just went through a, a cold snap where, you know, with the wind chill, it was like, sometimes it was like 45 below Celsius. I don't know what that is Fahrenheit, but it's cold. Um, so yeah. And, and, you know, like, I mean, I grew up, you know, pretty much grew up here, but the older you get, the less you like it. You know, I, I, I don't like the cold. I don't like the snow. I, I, you know, I'm done with it too, but our families are here. Our kids are here. So this is where we stay, but at least, you know, being retired, you know, we would have been able to maybe go to, you know, uh, Mexico for a couple of weeks every, you know, or, or wherever we could, we were able to do those things until COVID. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, and it makes it harder. Like the lockdowns are bad enough, but when you're locked down in this kind of weather, it's even worse because at least when it was summer, we could, you know, I could go out and I could go for a bike ride with my son. We could social distance, you know, far enough apart, or, you know, we could go for a walk and still walk 10 feet from each other and still talk and whatever. And now we can't, it's just too cold. So yeah, winter sucks. You know, I'm going to be glad when it's over. Yeah. And for you up there, like, it's not like you could escape. It's not like you could relocate within Canada to like a warmer climate, really. I mean, I guess you could go to Vancouver, you know, they get probably less snow, but it's definitely more expensive to live in Vancouver. Yeah. And, and, and I, I mean, yeah, I, we, we don't really have, that's the warmest, you know, part of the country is probably Vancouver, you know, the island and stuff, but you know, they've gotten some snow this year too. So yeah, we just can't really get away from it for parts of the year. And, you know, eh. you learn to live with it. And, and like, you know, before COVID, at least you could mitigate it by leaving parts of the winter and, and going to a, you know, warmer climate, but, you know, we'll get back to it, but it, it, it's, it's definitely been, been a, a, a it, it makes it worse, you know, being locked down when you can't really get out much. Yeah, for sure. How is, I mean, I haven't heard too much about like how Winnipeg, I mean, it's mostly here in the U S Canada news. We kind of get as mostly Toronto, um, mm -hmm. has, I mean, I'm assuming Winnipeg was pretty much locked down for a while. And then, um, okay. Our, our first lockdown was, you know, basically, you know, they locked down most of the stores, malls, gyms, you know, all that sort of stuff. Restaurants finally got locked down, uh, other than takeout and pickup. And, and, and then that only lasted, things started opening up more summertime. They started opening up restaurants and then you could go to patios and, and, you know, different things. Um, and, and our cases were really, really low. I mean, right up till probably August, September, we had only seven deaths in Manitoba in, in, the, in our province. Mm -hmm. And then we got hit with the second wave. And then that's when things just really took a turn for us. They, they put us in a lockdown um, mid-March, not mid-March, sorry, mid-November. And we were basically, everything was closed. You couldn't, all you could go and get was groceries and medical stuff. And if you went to like Walmart, um, they actually took any items that weren't on an essential list and covered them up. So they put like roped off sections, like, you know, electronics, TVs, whatever. They'd rope that stuff off. There was some that where they'd literally cover them with tarps and plastic and stuff. So you couldn't even see what, like those shelves were just basically gone get your groceries and that's it. Um, 
Yeah, they did we were locked in Michigan too. That was a big yeah. deal. People were all upset because uh, I remember, yeah, the governor in, in Michigan, she basically made it. So, yeah, it was just like grocery items and stuff. And they have, you know, your Walmarts and, and other big box stores. People would want to go into, you know, different aisles. And, and that was like a, a pretty big controversy for a while uh, up mm-hmm. there. So. You know, I think people for the most part here accepted it and, and, you know, um, and in the end, our numbers did really come down with, with the lockdown, but it, we, it was like a good three months that we were in this really cold red, they called it lockdown. Um, but yeah, some people protested this and that, and, and they adjusted the, the essential item list as time went on. Cause it was right before Christmas. And at first you couldn't get Christmas wrap. So then they said, okay, you can get Christmas wrap. And then they realized that a lot of, uh, a lot of people couldn't order stuff online. So they needed, they didn't have credit cards. So then they said, okay, now you can get gift cards. Whereas at first that wasn't, so they, they adjusted as they went along and, and uh, I mean, it's all different now it's changed in the last couple of weeks, but, uh, yeah, we we were probably one of the tightest lockdowns in the country compared to, and, and it's the same here as with you guys, each state kind of mandates their own thing. It's the provinces here that pretty much mandate their own rules. So each one is, is different than the other. So um, yeah, we're, we're similar to what you guys do um, overall. Well, you guys didn't have anybody who's like a Florida that just didn't do anything, right? <laughs> I'd say the worst we had, like we've had little hiccups here and there, like, but we have one, one province, um, and he's, he's a conservative guy and, and he seems to, you know, he's definitely open up as much and, and he seems to be the one province that, that opens up where all the other provinces don't as much. So they've gone as far as actually cutting off the borders. So there's no interprovincial travel allowed. Wow! Because okay. they if, sort of like if you're gonna, you know, if you have like a, this high amount of cases, we don't want you in our province, sort of thing. So that's what they've done in a lot of cases. Yeah, and it's worked. Yeah, here in the U.S., it's been. Uh, it's just it's weird. There's some states where you never get any overflow with the news you know, on what was kind of going on. Uh, I feel like we always got the news from what was going on in kind of LA, San Francisco, Seattle, when they had the the outbreak, um, Texas, Florida, New York city. And then just because we're, we're located, like we would get some Michigan stuff and some Colorado, but, but otherwise, you know, if you wanted to know what was going on in like Denver, Colorado, you had to kind of search for it. It was, it wasn't anything that was just widely put out there. So it was definitely strange with how the information was kind of shared and what everybody was focusing on. It got to the point, you know, I listened to or was listening to like a, a good amount of podcasts and there'd be some that we have that are different news organizations. They do like a, like a 10, 15 minute, you know, kind of here's everything that went on the previous day comes in your morning. So you can listen to it, you know, drive to work or over a cup of coffee, whatever. And they were just all covering the same thing over and over. And it got to the point where I just, I couldn't, I had to just like, I need to hear something else. Like I had to just kind of check out and, and I haven't been back to any of those, you know, type podcasts since it just, you get to a point where it's just enough's enough. And you're just over, not even overwhelmed with the amount of information. It's just, you feel like you're just being beaten over the head with it to the point where you're just, I just need to focus on something else. Well, and, and like up here, uh, our really only news source from, from the States is, is national. So we'll get, like we have CNN and MSNBC and that's really about it. Um, I mean, some of our Canadian news covers some of the bigger stories, you know, as well. But so we only get, you know, a real bird's eye view. And like you say, just a big story. So what's going on in New York or like what's going on in Texas right now, you know, those sorts of things. So yeah, we definitely don't get any more localized, you know, news as what's going on unless it's a national story. So, um, other than talking to people, 
that's how I seem to have learned the differences from state to state. Um, and, and that's what I find. I find there are a lot of differences, you know, when I talk to people from say California or New York or, you know, um, you're the second person I've talked to from Ohio, but there, there does seem to be a real, a real difference in, in some of the differences just by ge- uh, geography. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. Do you guys have, like, do you guys have an issue with any of the kind of the conspiracy theory news organizations up there? Like we do uh, like that. Whole, Cause we had a lot of dis almost like disinformation kind of that really, that really kind of mixed stuff up uh, and not in a good way, at least down here. No, for sure. We, we definitely, uh, we have pretty much whatever you have just at a much smaller scale. And that's okay. only because our population is like a 10th of yours. But we, we literally in Winnipeg, there are proud boys, which is really bizarre, but there is um, like, I don't know if it's a chapters or just a few of them or whatever, but they have been seen, in, in Winnipeg. Um, we have, you know, I, I, I don't know if QAnon really exists down here. I understand it does, but I've never seen any, uh, you know, information or anything, but we, we get, you know, we get people that don't believe that it's real. We get a lot of people that, you know, anti-maskers, we, we have, uh, you know, people protesting on different, you know, whatever basis of, of, you know, we like religion is a big thing. They shut down, you know, religious places and stuff. So that was a big uproar with, with a lot of the, um, protests and stuff. So we, we basically have similar to what you guys have. It's just on a smaller scale. Okay. Yeah. I was, I was wondering that just, it's nice to know that, you know, we're not just completely crazy on our own. Uh, down here that some some other countries no, have and, some and, of the same problems. And, and, no, and it's funny because, I, and that's a, a lot of the people that I talk to from the States, you know, sort of ask the same question because I, I, I think they, 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 I, they almost fear that they're the only country that has this sort of fringe stuff going on and, and you're not alone. You're, you're, I, I, I've talked to a lot of people in, you know, in the States and, and some Canadians and, and, um, you know, some Europeans and stuff. And I find that it's people in the West that have these sorts of things, but I've talked to people from the East, like India. I've talked to a couple of people Mm -hmm. and, and I talked to a girl that was in Malaysia. And when you go and talk to those people, these sorts of things do not exist at all. And, and it was, it was really interesting because they told me that over and, and it was both of those countries, they said that the population believes in the science and without question, if the doctors say, this is what it is, this is what you need to do. They just do it. They don't question it. There's no fringe this, that, or anything else. And even though they might not trust the government, you know, that's an issue for a lot of these countries. But when it comes to the science and the doctors, if the if the if the medical community says this is what you need to do, they just do it. So it, I, I don't know if it's an Eastern Western problem that that it's different, but it seems when I've talked to people from the East, it's it's totally different. Yeah, I wonder how much that is. You know, I don't know about India specifically, but I know like when you get into China, kind of Singapore some of that's like state run media too. So I wonder how much of that is, is them maybe controlling the narrative where they don't allow kind of the conspiracy stuff to get out where here, you know, cause they, they don't have, you know, like I know for China, like they don't, they don't have an open source kind of internet thing. So, you know, it's, it's all kind of closed off. They dictate what is information is allowed to be shared where here it kind of, it's pretty much open you can go wherever you want. You want to go on the dark web. You want to go, you know, down some conspiracy rabbit hole on some random website like you can. So yeah, that's, that's interesting that they have kind of, they, they actually trust the science we're here, you know, America and it sounds like Canada. There's, there's groups that just tie the science almost to the media or the politicians. And so since they don't trust Mm -hmm. them and they're the ones that are delivering delivering the message that's like they don't trust you know the scientists too as well interesting 
Yeah, and and I mean, I I, I think it changes too for some people because I've known people that you know um, when when this whole thing first started, they were totally on board science that you know this is what it is you know i'm wearing my mask i'm 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 taking all the precautions don't you know give me my six feet space i mean they're all about you know everything you're supposed to do and and you know i i i know you know one person i i remember talking to and saying i have no problem giving up some of my uh well, you know whatever my rights or whatever you want to call it if it means getting this, this, you know, virus dealt with, like I, I'll give up some of my freedoms, like, you know, not being able to go inside a restaurant or what, you know, those sorts of things, if it means fixing this. And he was on, yeah, no problem. agree. You know, he's agreed. And then something happened in the summer that he just totally switched. Then it became, you know, talking to him, it was all a government conspiracy and it was the government just didn't want him to play pool anymore. So they shut down the bars and, you know, it's, it's just the flu and it's not real and it's only, you know, it's, so I don't know what happened, but it, the, he didn't start that way, but he ended up that way. So uh, I, th- I thought that was kind of weird. Yeah, I think some of that is, at least here in the U.S., I think some of that is because, you know, they put these lockdowns in place and it was supposed to, like here in Ohio, we had, um, what's her name, Dr., I think it's Amy Acton, and she was kind of like the health advisor to essentially our governor. And I remember, you know, she, when they first started doing the lockdowns, you know, she was saying like, you know, we could have up to you know, we're projecting up to a hundred thousand, you know, cases a day within the state and it never got that far. And I think that set off a lot of people with, we did this lockdown for, you know, 90 days or whatever, because we were locked down, I think it was through June, like into June. So it was like a 90 day thing. And I think people just got tired and they're like, we did this for 90 days. It didn't work. We still have cases. Cases are starting to climb. And then we had you know, all the holidays and everything and people just weren't having it anymore. And then eventually, you know, I feel like in the fall, it kind of became a, you know, how much risk are you willing to take? You know, it was all about personal risk. And if, you know, with the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, it's, you know, are you, are you willing to risk getting coronavirus to see your family for a day? Or are you willing to get coronavirus to, you know, go on that vacation that you had planned or, or something like that. So the narrative definitely flipped mm-hmm. and it was, everybody was kind of just, well, we tried the lockdown thing. It didn't work. And that was mainly because we were too late um, based on our, our government. Like the virus was here in November, December, and we didn't do any lockdown stuff till March. So that kind of set us back. And I mean, we we're, you know, pretty much losing from the start of it. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 I like I. Up till probably about three weeks ago, I was you know dug right in. Um, I'm doing the right thing. We're, we're taking all the precautions. We have you know we know there you know all of these these um, lockdowns and everything are for a reason and it's a good reason and we want to keep our family safe and and all these sorts of things and and our lockdowns were you know, from talking to, to a lot of people down there, our lockdowns were way worse than what you guys dealt with. So, I, I mean, just, just a lot tighter. And, and I, I didn't have a problem with it and I still don't like, I, 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 I still understand why they're doing it. And, and it seems to be working here. Our numbers are going in the right direction and all that kind of stuff. It's just that I find in the last probably month, it's finally starting to weigh on me that I'm starting to feel, and I don't know if COVID fatigue is the right word because I'm still going to, you know, follow the rules and I still believe everything that I'm doing, you know, and still going to continue. It's just, it didn't seem to really weigh on me then. And I didn't, I, maybe I just didn't feel the weight of what it's costing me this past year. And now I'm starting to feel it. Yeah. I don't know why it's taken this long, but it's like just in the last little while. And and I know my wife and I were sitting talking yesterday about and I was telling her like I I'm really starting to to miss 
the things that we could do and that we can't do anymore. And, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, like I, like we said before, I'm afraid that I'm, you know, not going to be able to do as much. So yeah, it, it seems, I don't know. It just, all of a sudden it started hitting me just out of yeah, the blue you, almost. And, you know, I think people kind of forget, you know, a lot of places have been in and out of lockdowns, even though that they kind of said that that was going to happen for, you know, a year now, basically. Uh, we're at pretty much a year mark uh, of doing this. So you can't be at, you know, a 10, you know, on a one to 10 scale, like you can't be at a 10 for a year. Like at some point there's going to be, you know, lapses that set in or, or whatever to the individual person. So you can't expect everybody to just be fully engaged on edge, you know, about every single thing that they're, they're doing, you know, going to the grocery store or whatever um, for an entire year. It's just not, it's just not realistic. So do you have a lot of, um, like with your lockdowns and everything over the year, has there been a lot of, of pushback in, in Ohio or in Columbus? Um, have you, have you noticed it's, it's, uh, like a real big thing down there or is it more of a fringe sort of deal? Uh, I mean, it, it feels like it was more than a fringe, but less than like a majority And I don't know if that's because of how like the media covered it or whatnot, but I mean, you had people complaining that, you know, the daycares were closed and even though that they weren't going to work. And now I think, you know, just this past week, I think there's an issue with um, the governor's reopening the schools uh, for kids to go back into. and, And there's a bunch of pushback against that. And, you know, but I guess the the learning online model is not working. I guess people are falling behind from from what I know, um, mm-hmm. regardless of whatever grade that they're in. So you know, it's deemed that they you know need to get back into schools. And we have a Republican governor, and I know Biden came out uh, kind of at least through his campaign was saying like you know keep the keep the schools closed. So you know now you kind of have that. But I mean, we had protests, we had anti mask protests where they you know, broke windows in the state house. I think that was June or July when that happened. Uh, there's pictures online. You can look it up. You just, they just look like, it looks like something out of like the walking dead or some zombie movie or something like people are, you know, up against mm. the glass and like they're banging on it and stuff in it. And it was all over. That was all over just like anti-mask stuff. Like they just didn't want to have to wear a mask inside a building. And it's, it's just really wild to see people do that. And it's like, it's just, it's not that big of a deal. Like, it's just like, even, you know, I had always said, I, as far as I know, I have, have not had COVID. Um, I know some people that have, but I don't know anybody who's, who's passed away from it. Thankfully, um, pretty much everybody I know that is, that has had it said it was just really bad flu like symptoms. Uh, some still don't have like a sense of taste or smell, um, you know, even several weeks after having it. But, you know, so I never, I never had it myself, but it's just, even if I did, I would still wear a mask inside, you know, a business or a building or whatever, not just to make everybody else around me comfortable, but you don't also know, can you get it again? You know? And I, I feel like that's something that we still don't really know is if you can get it again or not. Well, I think the risk reward to wearing a mask is is a no brainer. Just put it on. I mean, it's not hurting you. It's not a hard thing to do. Um, I uh, yeah, I really even if you don't believe the masks work, just do it anyway. Like I just don't understand why you just just put it on. It's, it's not going to you know hurt you to put it on. Just do it. And and yeah. it's not like you're. It's not like you're giving up your liberty to wear because you're wearing a mask. You're not. You're still as free as you were. You just have a mask on now. Well, there's a a decent chunk of the population here that believes otherwise. I'll tell you. Well, that. I, I, maybe that's just an a, a oversimplification of it, but no, I, I think it, I think it's it's accurate. There's just we have just this weird part of the population that is it's too big to be fringe, but it's not mainstream. It's kind of in this weird area in between. And they, everything, they think everything is, you know, infringing upon their kind of rights, but it's not. And, 
you know, we have a whole issue here with, you know, the second amendment and, and people taking it like too literal and what it actually means and, and all this stuff. So it kind of all falls in a, I feel like that kind of category where, you know, the second amendment of the constitution is, is really relating to, you know, a foreign entity coming into the country and, and you having the right to defend yourself or defend your home or whatever. It's, it's not necessarily about the right to own a firearm. Um, mm-hmm. But people, but people interpret it that way, and that's how they use it because it justifies, you know, their behavior, their actions to, you know, buying several guns or, or you know, doing the concealed carry and stuff like that. So um, it's definitely a a weird situation here in the U.S. for sure. So do you find, and and I'm not going to get into the politics or anything because that's not what you know what I what this is about, but. Do you find with with everything that was going on with with the election and and everything with with um, your previous president saying it wasn't you know it was rigged and everything, uh, do you find that all of that energy and and everything that was put into that took away from the pandemic and uh, you know in in as far as like resources or or you know the government's focus or or anything th- do you find that it, it was it came at a cost to to handling the virus uh i would say from like the vaccination standpoint yeah but from i mean it gave the media something else to cover so i guess you know they weren't now they had two stories to cover coronavirus and then also the election I don't think necessarily the whole, you know, it's rigged thing took away from people, um, at least most of the people, you know, being COVID safe and, and distancing. Obviously, there's some in there with that were doing the protests and, and all that stuff. Um, but you even had, you know, people at like the, the Capitol riots. I mean, you even had people wearing masks there. So, which is, you know, seems counterintuitive because you're in a giant group of people. Um, so I'm not exactly sure how effective that mask is going to be when you're shoulder to shoulder with, you know, a hundred people or whatever, but so they never really reported on kind of how many, I guess, people out of that stuff or really the protests, um, wound up with coronavirus. But I remember when Trump was doing, I think he had a rally in like Oklahoma or something like that. And there was a majority, I think of the people who wound up getting coronavirus. And I think that was the one that they suspect. That, uh, that was the one Herman Cain in, got it indoors. Yeah, that was where he had the indoor one, and then the outdoor one. Nobody showed up, so it was just in in. Yeah, the first one yeah, and had, then I think the I think the indoor one Herman Cain was at, and I think that's how kind of they yeah. suspect he got it and wound up passing away yeah. from it. From what I remember, yeah, it. Yeah, I, I like, and it's funny because I, I've talked to. Um, different people from different cities and and one of the questions i asked some of them was is about more the, like the riots this summer and and not the riots but more of the the protests that went on this summer i you know i asked if if they thought that and i talked to some people that were um contact tracers and and worked in in testing so they they had a good idea of, of what the numbers would have been and i asked them if if they felt that that you know, these protests in the summer spiked the, the cases, like if the cases went up because of it. And they all said no. And I, th- I thought that was really something encouraging that, I, you know, I guess they figured because, you know, one, because it was outside, it was, you know, a summer. And a lot of people in the protest were wearing masks. And, and they said they, they didn't find much of a, a you know, uh, any significant increase to the numbers because of it. So, so that was kind of good to hear. Yeah, we had protests here um, in June because of the, the stuff with George Floyd and his death and everything. Um, but it was, it was really hot, too, when they were protesting. Like, it was above 90 degrees here. And I know they say that, you know, vitamin D is kind of one of the best things that you can do to combat, you know, catching coronavirus. And I know they were saying there was a theory out there that I think like zinc and maybe vitamin C, but those have since been disproven. But I guess the vitamin D one's been, you know, there's more evidence that vitamin D is something that, that really does help your, whether it's your immune system or whatever, kind of fight off, you know, the initial uh, getting it, you know, the initial incubation period and stuff like that. So, 
kind of makes sense, I guess, in a way. But then it's also what you know. Why were they shutting down beaches then, and you know, Southern California? Because you know you can be six, twelve feet distance on beaches, you know. But they closed all the beaches. But that's how people would be able to get like a natural source of sunlight, being outside and everything. So who knows? You know, it's kind of one of those things. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's. I mean, I. I I, I I think the whole thing, the one thing that, that it has proven this year with, with this virus is we don't know enough about it. And I don't know if we ever will because we're always learning something different. And then these variants, I mean, that threw a whole curveball into everything as well. And and that's one thing that kind of scares me and, and kind of makes me wonder now, are we getting through this you know that's what i was thinking before these variants started now i'm kind of wondering is this going to hold us back at all i I mean i I don't know yeah i I mean as far as i know at least the vaccines are supposed to um be preventative against those variants from what i've seen in the the media that's gone around but it goes back to like the disinformation and you know people don't trust the media so the people don't trust that that information is accurate. And there's this whole, you know, oh, are the vaccines, you know, not that, not if they're real or not, but are they effective? Are they lying about the effectiveness so they can make more money because the government promised them billions of dollars to get, you know, kind of the first doses and stuff. So then you, then you kind of get those people that are skeptical of whether or not they're going to take, you know, the vaccine when, when they become eligible, um, that's died down a decent amount. There's still a few here or there, but it's not like the wave that it was where it seemed like it was, you know, 50-50 that people were either going to get the vaccine or not, you know, when they could. Are you going to take it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as soon as I'm eligible, I'll I'll get it. It's probably not going to be until May or June, (laughs) the rate that the rollout's going. But yeah, as soon as I'm eligible to get it, I'll go get it. Yeah. And you know, I mean, it's the same with me. I, um, I'm 60, um, but I don't have any, you know, underlying health conditions or anything. So I kind of see myself being in the, probably the bottom 20%, maybe 25% to get it. And according to what we've heard, um, you know, from our government is, you know, there's at first they said November. Now they said September, they moved it up to the end of September. Every Canadian that wants you know, uh, the vaccine will, will be able to have had it. So I'm thinking, you know, I'll probably be midsummer, you know, for me to get it, which is, you know, fine. I, I think the biggest thing, you know, mentally for me is to get through the winter because like we talked about the cold, once I'm through the winter and it's warm, I, you know, even if I still have to wear a mask and I still have to distance myself from, you know, seeing my kids and stuff, at least I can go for a walk or go to a park and sit on a picnic table at each end and say hello or, you know, take chair, whatever. But at least we can do those sorts of things until the rest. Of, and and it, it makes it easier for me when I think in terms of, I think this is the last winter I'm going to have to deal with these things. I don't think I'm going to go through this next winter again. I think we'll be finished. So that seeing that goal line makes it easier for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I hope, I hope all that is accurate. Cause I definitely want to get back to, to doing the things that I enjoy, you know, traveling and I just having different experiences, you know, being cooped up, you know, in your apartment, in your house, uh, I've done it long enough. I'm ready to kind of get back out there. Okay, can I, I, I didn't ask, are you married? Yep, yep, just me and my wife, okay. uh, a couple pets, okay. but no kids. No, I just, because uh, then that, you know, that's definitely, uh, you know, a lot different from having to go through this alone, right? I mean, uh, like you say, we're, we're sitting here, you know, I, I go to the store, you know, my wife stays home, we go for walks in the park and that's about it. That That's kind of our life right now. And at least, but at least it's the two of us, right? That, that seems to make it easier. Um, yeah, it does. It does make it a bit easier having just another person there. So you do have some interperson interaction where, you know, if you are living alone, it's kind of all online or remote communication. Um, even though, a large swath of our population is kind of already headed in that direction. It's 
it's definitely better to be able to just kind of be around somebody else. Well, and I mean, there, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure that goes both ways. I've talked to people who, you know, that wasn't a good thing, but, um, you know, uh, fortunately for, for, you know, like for myself, we were, we were already retired and, and we had both been, you know, um, at home together all the time for, for already, you know, a couple of years or a year before this started. So we were used to spending that time together. We didn't all of a sudden start, uh, man, I got to spend all this time with you sort of thing. So, you know, for us, it hasn't been a problem either. Yeah. So one last question, where do you see yourself in, in a year from now? Um, I would say still in Columbus, Ohio, but, um, being able to, you know, travel again, um, experience different things in other cities or other locations. I think we'll probably wind up having a, some sort of vaccination passport, um, you know, some sort of thing to get you in other countries. But I think, you know, the coronavirus will still be around. I think there'll be enough people vaccinated that we can kind of get back to the way things were, but in the back of everybody's minds, it'll still be, is there going to be another virus in five, 10 years, whatever. Um, so things are definitely going to, you know, be a little different than they were, but in terms of working remote and all that stuff, but yeah, I, I think things will kind of be back to as close as they can be pre COVID, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree. I totally agree with what you're saying about the, and, and, and it's funny you mentioned the, the, um, like a virus sort of, uh, some sort of identification because just the other day they, they posted on the news here that they are already working on a Canadian, um, some sort of, um, ID that proves that you have gotten the vaccine. And, and I've, I've always thought that, yeah, I th- I think what's going to happen is most countries are going to are going to need you to it's going to be like show me your passport, show me your vaccination proof, otherwise you're not coming into this country sort of thing. I think that's one of the big changes that we're going to see as people who who like to travel. I think that's how you and I are both really going to be impacted. Although it's not a big impact, but it is going to be a difference. Yeah, for sure. Well, I've, I've enjoyed talking to you. It's, it's, uh, been a great afternoon and thanks for sharing Ray and stay safe. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me.